With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're seeing a real special place now, aren't we, Villa Park? It's, um, the, the togetherness is very clear to see. Just really interesting how you've got Nasif Sawiris and Wes Edens, the, the co-owners of Villa, sitting in the in the director's box, smiling at, at the transformation of Villa, and then hearing the away end calling for Daniel Levy, the the, uh, the Tottenham chairman, to to leave his role. The 1874 Show by the Villa View. Hello and welcome to the 1874 show with myself, Dan Bardell and the Athletics' own Greg Evans, Global Greg Evans. Warms my heart that I see so many people call him Global Greg on social media and in forums. So I thank everyone for that. And if everyone could just continue calling him Global Greg on social media, that would be much appreciated. I know Greg loves it too. Before we get into talking about Aston Villa, just a word for our sponsors, NordVPN. You can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to the villaview.tv slash NordVPN. If you do that, you'll get a huge discount off the NordVPN plan. Plus, you'll also get four months for free. It's completely risk-free as well with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not going to Anfield next weekend, using NordVPN will enable you to stream the game. Right then, Greg, let's go. Aston Villa 2. No, first, how are you? Sorry. I forget to ask yes, you. Yes, I'm, I'm well done. I'm well, thank you. Um, yeah, quite quite a busy time with just two games remaining. Lots of articles that I'm working on to, to try and squeeze in before the end of the season. Uh, but no, happy and really excited actually with 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 how um, the future's looking for Villa and, and what it's like being the Villa reporter. It's really good times at the moment. Yeah, two big games incoming, but of course it was a massive game at Villa Park at the weekend as well. Aston Villa two, Tottenham Hotspur one. Greg, what was what was it like from the press box at the weekend? Um, it was really good, to be fair. Really enjoyable. Uh, I thought, you know, we're seeing a real special place now, aren't we, Villa Park? It's um, the, the togetherness is very clear to see. Um, quite interesting, actually, when uh, the article that I wrote for The Athletic was just comparing how Villa's standing is now and how Villa's st- uh, stature is compared to Tottenham's. 
Um, if you look back to sort of 2008, 9, 10, when Villa were regularly finishing in sixth place under Martin O'Neill, I felt that Tottenham were a very similar size club to, to Villa at that point. Mm. And, and it felt like both clubs had the infrastructure almost in place to, to go and kick on and, and finish in the top four. But it ended up that only one club effective, you know, had a go at that, which was, which was Tottenham. Um, so, yeah, I, I wrote about that at length but uh, in The Athletic. But it was just really interesting how you've got Nassif Sawiris and Wes Edens, the, the co-owners at Villa, sitting in the, in the director's box, smiling at, at the transformation of Villa. And then hearing the away end calling for Daniel Levy, the, the, uh, the Tottenham chairman, to, to leave his role. Um, it just feels like two clubs that are locked on 57 points and both chasing the, you know, the same um, successes this season are actually heading in contrasting directions. I mean, Tottenham very much have still got the stadium and, and the higher revenue than Villa, even though Villa are, are making efforts to, to close that gap. But Villa certainly have the informed team, you know, the manager. Um, and the momentum, I think, so that clearly showed on the pitch today. And I think the the England captain gets uh, much superior treatment to the Scotland captain, unfortunately. And that almost went against Villa. And I just hope that one goal doesn't make mm. a difference because not having that penalty at all. No, it's never a penalty. Not for me and you agree on stuff like this, actually. But it's just not a pen because Harry Kane has initiated the contact. But we'll go into the game in wider detail shortly. But... I'd forgot. I'd actually forgot. It was so long ago now, and so much has happened. I forgot that Villa and Spurs were that Spurs were around. Because you think of Man City, don't you, and what they've gone on to do. But Villa and Spurs were pretty much in and around the same points for for two, three seasons in in a row, weren't they? And Spurs at one point with the right manager got themselves a Champions League finals. I think they, they finished they finished third in the league. I think was the the highest they they finished under Poch. But you know they had a really good period. Now Villa have got that that right manager. It feels like Villa are about to embark on that good period and Villa are a club on the up and Spurs are on the way down. Now, I don't think Spurs' fall from grace will be as grand as, as Villa's was and going to play football in the Championship. I don't see that happening with, with Tottenham. But it does show you, if you make a few good decisions or really good decisions in Villa's case, but also if you make a few bad decisions, it's not easy to, to, to fall away and, and things to spiral. And Villa have had it and that is what's happening with Tottenham at the moment. Yeah, I think so. If you if you look back through the through the years, I think Tottenham dealt with some of the bumps in the road a little bit better than Villa did. Um, you know, in years gone gone by, obviously both clubs have, have lost some of their top players over over sort of the last ten fifteen years. But Tottenham were able to lose Gareth Bale and Luka Modric and and rebuild to an extent and still stay within touching distance um, of those top clubs uh, and remain competitive. Villa when they lost Milner and and Downing and Ashley Young. Um, they they just didn't replace them with 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 the right players and and obviously the um, you know the the reduction in interest almost from from Randy Lerner the the, the ex owner sent Villa spiraling down unfortunately and uh, yeah you know Tottenham still had the investment there Villa didn't and and you've seen the two clubs sort of stretch to to worlds apart actually when when Villa were getting promoted finally back in two thousand and nineteen. Tottenham were in the Champions League final and, and then, you know, literally a world apart, weren't they, at that point? Mm. Um, the credit to Villa for, for closing the gap really quickly on them. Um, I know it's been five years, but, it, you know, it, it takes a long time to, to come back from the Championship and really start to threaten again in, in the higher echelons of, of the Premier League. 
Villa are certainly doing that now. Um, it just feels like they have the right manager, they have the informed players, they have the momentum behind them. They're going to get the back in this summer. Um, and it's really interesting times. Yeah, just stay closer to your mic, please, Greg. Sorry, I'm, I'm get... moving away and bouncing around. Again. You're, you're an excited journalist nowadays, which has, has not <laughs> always been the case with you with, with, with you covering Villa. I do think, you know, all it takes is one... Look, Villa were in the doldrums at the bottom of the table. They've made one really good decision to get Unai Emery in, and it has completely transformed the club, and it's going to be a really exciting few years for Villa. If Spurs make the right managerial appointment, you know, they'll... They'll, they'll be back, but I'd, I've, I said this on the previous show. I do a, a weekly podcast for Who Scored with journalist Jonathan Wilson, and with there's a like a combined eleven section in there. And John, Jonathan Wilson's team for the combined eleven was Villa's ten, and then Harry Kane. That was the that was the team that that was the team that he that he picked. And over the last few years, it unthinkable to have something like that. But it just shows you what having the right manager can do for players. Because I think if Spurs actually is. Made a sensible appointment over the over the last few years. If they, let's say Unai Emery had, had had gone in there, actually Spurs may well be absolutely flying and punching above where you, where you would expect them to now because the players would be well coached. That t- on Saturday, he was watching a Villa team that looked like they're coached in the week against a Tottenham team that at times looked looked like strange. There no patterns of play with Tottenham whatsoever, and I've lamented that with Villa uh, over the years that you can't see what you've you've they've worked on in the week. In the first half, in particular, Villa should have scored more. I think Villa were just in control of the uh, of the game. There was only one team that was dictating that that game, controlling the game, and looked dangerous going forward. And that was Villa. Spurs had a little bit on the break, but really, Villa were in control of that game. Villa were controlling the game, Greg. Yeah, and I think that's what Emery would have been most pleased with. You know, the fact that the, the first half they were excellent. Villa, they were exactly they played exactly the way that that Emery wanted them to play. They controlled possession well. They created plenty of chances. They played on the front foot. They engaged with the supporters. They weren't too aggressive when they didn't need to be. You know, there were plenty of times where Villa got into high positions and just turned around calmly and played it back and built again because they wanted to make sure that their formation was fully set before they attacked. And that's the most impressive thing now. I think that Villa, they really, the players really know what to do now. They know that if, and if Plan A isn't working, they've got Plan B and Plan C. And plenty of different alternatives to turn to. Just find them so easy to watch now. They're just, you know, okay, there are a few hairy moments still at times, but you're going to get that in every game, I think. Um, But the way they can build out from the back now is really impressive. And they don't always have to do it. They can go along if they need to and mix it up. Um, Point on on what you're saying about Emery potentially being a, a Tottenham manager and whether that would have made their team any different. We just never know, do we? Because... The more I look back at it now, the more I think that Emery was just the wrong fit for Arsenal at the time. Um, perhaps it was going to be difficult for any manager coming in at that point on the back of Arsene Wenger. But just because Emery didn't succeed at Arsenal or didn't do exactly what he wanted to do, doesn't mean he's a bad manager. As you know, as we've, and it doesn't mean that he's not an elite manager, um, which I actually think he is now. You know, I, re- I really yeah, do. Really trying to not be too biased and get too carried away with the fact that he's doing this with Villa and it's the club that I cover. But I've tried to be impartial on it and I've tried to speak to as many different voices as I can um, about his level of coaching. And, you know, it just keeps coming back to me that that he, he just knows what he's doing. You know, and if he can get the buy-in from the players, then typically that club goes on to have success. And, and it was Valencia were excellent, Sevilla were excellent, Villarreal succeeded. And now Villa are on a charge of their own. So, um, yeah, I, I just think he's the real deal. 
I've just done another podcast where it's basically a podcast where you they have people on and you pick your best ever eleven for your for your for your club. So obviously I've done I've done Villa and I've I've picked my team and I find myself going through it and I'm saying he's the last goalkeeper to win a trophy for Villa in 1996. You know I was the last person that was playing left back when Villa won a trophy in 1996. You know in five years time. I honestly think I'll be talking, doing those kind of things, and I'll be having players from Unai Emery's Villa in that all-time eleven, and Unai Emery might well go on to be that that all-time manager. I know Villa haven't achieved anything yet, but you just, you know, you're saying I just find them so interesting to watch now, and everything that's going on at the club feels really, really positive. I'm just convinced for the first time, probably in O'Neill, I thought we'd have some success, and to an extent we did, but I'm convinced there's going to be a trophy here in the next five years and under this manager, absolutely convinced of it. And if there isn't, I don't think we're ever going to win a trophy ever again. <laughs> don't say that, Dan. It's true, though. <laughs> if Villa can't win a trophy with this manager, he, who is just, he's just world-class. Everything he does is just so, he's just a touch of class. And he, he is elite. You're, you're right. I, I wasn't, I, I was a bit like you. I was a bit wary of saying it, but now I just look at the transformation on the, of that team in a short space of time. Now, I'm watching Villa and Spurs and, Tyro Mings and Romero, for for example. I'm watching Romero. It's all over the place. He's like closing down things that he that he shouldn't be closing, and I get that, that that's his game a, a little bit. Yeah, Mings could be accused of perhaps doing some of those things over the years, but the way his game's changed, playing in such a controlled manner now, I think that's the that's the word I keep using to describe Villa and Unai Emery. There's just this level of control that I have never ever seen before. Even when we've had good teams. I don't feel it, it's been like this. John, John McGee, everywhere he could come away thinking, I don't think John McGee was man of the match today. Mm-hmm. Oh, where, he, where, he was at the weekend, wasn't he? I, where, I thought he was. Wherever he plays, you know, he's mm. central midfield, then he was right wing, then he's up front at the, at the end of the games, quite quite a lot nowadays. Just influencing the game. I just look at the improvement of, of, of those players and it is staggering. I know we all talk about every week and we're saying it's unbelievable, but I actually don't think the wider media realise the difference they'll see Villa are pushing towards the top six and say, Oh, look at the job he's done, he's excellent. But if you if you watch Villa every week, like we do, the improvement is absolutely staggering. Yeah, and I I think one of the biggest compliments you can pay the, the team at the moment as well is they're making almost every other opponent they play against look so average. Yeah, I think Spurs might be average to be honest nowadays. They've made Tottenham look average over two games, let's be honest. Um and you know it's not like Villa are just beating, you know your 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 Southamptons and your Leeds and Leicester's and you know teams like that. They're they're beating Newcastle comfortably at home with one of the most controlled and most well most complete performances I've ever seen as a, as a Villa reporter. Same. For sure, you know. You look at this, people will say, well, what about the 7-2 victory over Liverpool, which, OK, was, you know, un- unbelievable to, to many levels. But against Newcastle, they were just, they were, every single department was was on top of their game. They were, they were perfect. It was like watching perfection, um, which I presume is like watching Man City most weeks. So, um, so yeah, you know, Villa aren't just doing it against the lower level teams. They're doing it against the top teams. They're, you know, they're clearly competing. Um, I asked Jacob Ramsey, I asked Unai Emery the same question over on the weekend. I said, look, you know, Emery has a has the third highest points per game um, ratio 
of any manager in the Premier League who's managed over 10 games this season. And that's only behind Mikel Arteta and Pep Guardiola. And I said, look, you know, is this form sustainable over the entire level, uh, over the entire duration of next season? And Ramsey's reaction was, well, that's the plan. You know, we, we feel really comfortable under this manager. We feel like there's a, there's a, there's a, a plan to, to get even better. Um, Emery was a little more, little more diplomatic with his answer. He said, look, we've got to remain demanding, um, the players have got to buy into everything that I continue to say, et cetera, et cetera. You know. um, but who's to say that Villa can't continue playing like this and, mm. and, and, and not results like this? What's going to change? You know, in any, If anything, uh, they should get better with the players that they're looking at signing this summer. It doesn't always work like that, as, as we've said on multiple podcasts, but in theory, it should. Yeah, well, you know, even that points per game stat that you've just said, no, he's third. I imagine he, well, he's probably not too far off Arteta now, really. No, it wouldn't be they, too far. They've um, obviously had a, had a few bad results recently. You know, he's third, but the two that are above him are managers that it's a bigger sample size of. But they've been at their clubs a long time. It's Arteta's fourth season, I think, as, as Arsenal manager. And Pep's been at Manchester City for a long time now. You know, this is, they're on a journey, but they're quite well into, the, in, yeah, into yeah. their journeys now. Yeah. I mean, Emery's sitting third points per game. The journey's only just only just beginning. Mm. He ha- he's had one transfer window where Villa didn't didn't do a, an awful lot, did they? Villa weren't very active in the in the January transfer window. In some respects, they weakened the squad in in January. Certainly up top in terms of Danny Danny Ings going and bringing in someone who's a rookie in in Duran. They brought in a, a left back who's who's done really well. But you know, Villa weren't massively active in January. We're at the start of our journey, and we're already talking about him being third in points per game this season for managers that have had ten or more games. And Brighton having an excellent season. He was ahead of Deserbe, but Deserbe walked into a club that were that were going well. You know, they were doing well under Potter. They were relatively far in their journey as well. He's took it to the next level, Deserbe, and he's done a fantastic job. Villa were seventeenth. Didn't look like they were ever going to score. Didn't look like they were going to keep a clean sheet. Couldn't find a set a settled eleven, a, a settled system. Really, he's come in and done that. In such a short space of time, like he, he's not—he's getting a lot of credit. In fairness, I still don't mm-hmm. think he's getting the credit he deserves. It, it's really impressive. I, I hope it doesn't go the opposite, where he, where he's had success at clubs and then it's tended to tail off a little bit. Um, you know, it, towards towards the end. Um, hope it doesn't work out like that. And I hope if Villa do get into Europe, which would be an exceptional achievement and something that we'll all celebrate. Um, I hope that that doesn't affect. The league for because that was maybe something that was uh, put uh, difficult of Villarreal when they went on their Europa League run and then when they went on the Champions League run of course the, the league form suffered a little bit perhaps it was always going to because they had a, a very small or um, not at a high level squad so I hope that doesn't happen at Villa I hope as you say Villa are at the start of their journey and it's not a case of well the managers come in. The players have really bought into their method, uh, into into his methods. Um, I hope they don't just get bored of it in the future and 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 it, and it tails off because he's extremely demanding. Which I, I know I'm. I know I've said this over and over on podcasts, but the level of detail that goes into preparation for the games isn't for every player. You know, it is tiring. The the long video sessions, the, the ridiculously long video sessions at times. If Villa were losing games and they were having to sit through these video yeah. sessions, it would be painful for the players. The buy-ins they, there, isn't it? Because the, the results are there. Yeah, you know, because they are so long. Um, but 
at the moment, players and staff and, and you know, staff are included in, in team meetings, of course, as well, that they're all not going along with it because that's, that's the wrong word. They're all buying into it because they're, they're, they're enjoying this journey as well. They're enjoying this adventure there. They're acting like sponges themselves because they're, they're trying to gain everything possible from this elite manager and his exceptional coaching team. And they're really enjoying um, the preparation because of the results that are following. But as I say, if, if you start to lose games and you're debriefing an entire game after a defeat, it's painful. And I just hope that Villa don't go on that run and then it spirals out of control because everything is geared around this manager now. Everything has been given to this manager to, to, to take the club forward. Um, and as well as it's going now, if it doesn't go so well, then it's going to be disastrous because, you know, everything's geared towards him. I'll tell you what I'd like to see from you. I'd like to know a bit more about his backroom staff because you did something recently around Austin, Austin McPhee, who we, who we all know. And you, in, during the games, Emery stands up the whole time. I don't think he ever sits down, really. And Austin McPhee gets up at certain phases of the game, feels like he's got a fair bit of responsibility amongst that coaching staff. But I don't really know what what the other staff staff's roles are. I'd be interesting, and I'm sure other Villa fans feel it. would be interesting to find out what what it is they do. I mean, Gerard had so many so many staff members, but it felt like they all had like a, we kind of knew what their role was supposed to be. We were terrible, but we knew what the what the role was supposed to be. I don't really know anything about about his coach coaching staff, so I'd I'd find it quite interesting if you could you could do something around that. You might not want to, or you might be planning it already, but we don't know much about his coach coaching staff, and because you, you don't see them during the games because they because Emery's in control. Yeah, I'd just like to know more about what they do. I was just going to show you my uh, to-do list because it's very up towards the top. But first came up my uh, scorecard from yesterday. <laughs> Which you, sure you, you, were, don't you weren't playing golf, were you, yesterday, Greg? I was yesterday. Celebrating a Villa the women around a golf. Yesterday. Got handicap cut and everything. So, Excellent. Um, but yeah, it's it's on the to-do to do list and it's one of the articles that will be coming out actually in, in the next few weeks. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it's really interesting to, 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 to just summarise very briefly. Emery wanted to, to get all of his backroom staff in through the door um you know when, when he took over that was one of the assurances that he that he asked for it meant that villa had to move on people like neil cutler who was very well respected within the club um aaron danks the the first team coach who again was you know well respected and, and took on a, a, the caretaker role for a couple of games because emery wanted this full team in so um i think the 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 one there's a couple of key appointments. We, we've mentioned Damio Vidagani, who, mm. who's his personal assistant. Um, definitely a key appointment. But I think having having Paco in, you know, who, who previously worked at uh, Liverpool when yep. um, Rafa Benitez helped Liverpool win the Champions League, I think because of the Arsenal experience, he Emery decided to bring someone in with experience of the Premier League. Um, to help him and and to just you know and and, and Paco's been a, a manager himself as well and he's gone through those experiences. I think just having that old experienced head alongside him has really helped. Um, and then some of the other guys, you know, his goalkeeping coach and his first team coach and his analyst um, and his fitness and strength and conditioning coach have been long term allies, people that have been with him at Sevilla and Valencia and Paris Saint Germain and Arsenal and Villarreal. So he's got a group of a core group that he trusts implicitly but also fresh ideas from Paco um, 
and then obviously Damia uh, Bidigani, who who is his assistant, helps with off-field matters. So while we are always constantly praising Emery, it is elite coaching team as well that help him. Um, and yes, I will have lots more of the finer details on them in the weeks ahead. That's good. Because I, I, I thank knew, you for spoiling that story. Sorry, I knew because I knew Neil Cutler. Like I don't obviously I. I know kind of what he what what he did and he's very very good he's very good at talking obviously about about what he does as well Neil but even like the goalkeeping coach that had the relationship with Emmy previously it'd be interesting to, to to delve into that especially as we know as well that Martinez loved Neil Cutler and worked so closely with him you know it would be it would be good to be good to read that well there we go I mean I've not given you the idea because because you already <laughs> had it but you know it's at least it shows that you're planning to write something that people are interested in because if I'm interested yeah. in it, most Villa fans are, will, will probably be interested in it. I, I would say. But yeah, I hope I, nobody gets in there first. Now you've uh, shared the idea with the whole world. If you've got it, you know, if you're a journalist <laughs> of salt, that no, I think you are, Greg. You're already you're already working on it. You've already the inner workings are already there. You've already you've already started. You don't just do it and then it comes out the next day. You know these things these things. Start. You're a builder, aren't you? Like like Unai Emery, you're a builder with your with your pieces. <laughs> I know I know how, I know how you work. Next topic. If you're getting fed up of missing all the live football, then our new show sponsor, NordVPN, will be able to help you out. NordVPN is a secure and private service which works on pretty much any device, including your laptop, mobile and smart TV. So if you want to watch, let's say, some live US content, it allows you to appear like you're in that country. And whilst you're connected, no one can find out what you're doing, including your internet service provider. Beyond this, the service also has threat protection baked in to protect you from intrusive website ads and malware, which is pretty handy. As part of NordVPN supporting the Villa View, they've given us an exclusive deal of up to 65% off and four months for free. This also includes Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. All you've got to do is go to thevillaview.tv slash NordVPN and sign up. All the details will be in the description of this video. And as always, we're truly grateful to anyone that signs up. We know money's tight, but if you think NordVPN is worthwhile and it's going to help you out, then this really helps us keep the channel running. All the best up the villa. Let's talk player of the year then. Um, I think Martinez should be much higher in the thoughts for, for player of the year because he literally makes a, an important save every single game. Like He's every single time, game, that, that's as good as like a, a striker scoring every game. And it literally is every game. No, so right. in in another season, you know, on the back of his World Cup winning um campaign, and the fact you know, the fact that he's making a world class save every single game, the fact that he's learned how to adopt this new system from playing out from the back and his distribution is clearly much better. Um and he obviously is a you know vocal presence and and somebody who, who helps guide the team and and filled in at captain at some at, for a part for a part of the season. I think he would be really high up there, and if not, the standout candidate for for player of the year. But yeah, there there are a couple of others. Um, Ollie Watkins goals have got he hasn't scored about three games or four games now, is it? I thought it might be five. I think four, four, I think it's four, I think it's four. but. Um, you have to remember the the incredible run that that he went on. Broke all sorts of goal scoring records at Villa. It's five, um, actually. It's five. Is it five? Right, five. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, always just feels longer, doesn't it? You know, the the the, uh, the longer they well, obviously, but you know, the longer they go on, the more it starts to feel like is this a drought? But um, you know, his figures over the course of the season will will back him up, no matter if he doesn't score another goal again this year, uh, this season. So, 
um, that run that he had was really important. It helped lift Villa away from relegation bother and, and, and towards the top half of the table. Um, really impressive year and, and I know I still wouldn't I still would be surprised if he didn't get back into the England squad next month. Yeah, um, Mings has just turned into Mr. Reliable for me. I feel like, you know, Villa have conceded four goals in 13 games from, from open play. And very, a lot of that is to do with Mings and Konza who've, who've been excellent. Uh, Konza often gets overlooked in all this, doesn't he? It's always Mings is the better defender. Konza is slightly. Um, I would say Mings was inferior. having a good season under Gerard as well. I think that was yeah. the, that was the yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. It, Mings was probably the informed player under Gerard, wasn't he? When when nobody else was performing. Um, so for 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 his consistency over the season, you know, he certainly needs to be in the conversation. Douglas Louise interviewed him recently, and and he said to me that he's in the form of his life. I. I didn't see him when he was younger, but certainly in, in his Villa days, he's playing better than I've ever seen. Um, and again, another one that should be in the in the reckoning, if not, you know, the guy. Five goals and five assists, excellent from set pieces. Has scored from two corners. Um, what a season he's had. Um, and Ashley Young, just yeah, as you said, the same reasons. You know, somebody who's guided the the side through tough times was really really important when Gerard left his role um you know made it very clear to people around the club and and john mcginn did as well to be fair the two of them if there's anything you need us to do um you know during this interim period we're here we're here to help um you know as as all proper leaders should do uh you know anything media wise or anything like that facing up to the cameras or, or dealing with any external issues and, and just pulling the pulling the dressing room together when it was in caretaker management um, younger, younger McGinn were, were big during that period. So yeah, somebody just wanted around, and it's just mad, isn't it? I, I still laugh at Ashley Young because uh, fifteen years ago was it? Yeah, fifteen years ago when he was at Villa, he was just like the, the little kid, the joker. Um, him and Gabby just just taking the mick out of people and you know causing all sorts of havoc around the training ground. Yet now you see him with his you know his family and his children. He's you know he's a proper father figure now. Um, for the players as well, and somebody who's who's been excellent as a performer at, at right back as well. When we were watching him play left wing for Villa, I never thought fifteen years later I'd be watching him play right back for Villa. At it's like it's like it's like for me, it's literally like now thinking: Can you imagine Bukayo Saka being the father figure at Arsenal and playing at right back, and you know being the um, the one that gets in the referee's ear and time wasting and. Um, you know, being the leading voice when a manager gets sacked. <laughs> you just couldn't imagine it, could you? I remember when... Um, I well, remember Harvey first... Barnes at, at Leicester, you know, yeah. someone like that, just, you know, young, nippy winger. Grealish coming, Grealish <laughs> coming back and playing full-back at, 30, at 37. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't, doesn't, make it out. Doesn't, make, doesn't make sense, does it? It just doesn't doesn't feel right. I remember the first time he played there, or the first period he played there at Manchester United, and he was playing left-back, I suppose, more at that point, and I was like, I'm not having this. He is not. He's never a fullback in a million years, but he's learned on the job and become very, very accomplished at what he does. And you, you think about the time he spent it. Was it a year and a half? He was at. He was at Inter Milan for. Mm. He's playing playing wing back there rather than fullback. But imagine that experience that he got playing playing in in Serie A and winning winning the league for Inter, playing as a big part of that team as a wing back, and then he's. He's come back to Villa. He's supposed to be a squad player, really. Someone who's good in the dressing room that can come in and fill in when, when you need him to. He's got to be getting a new contract. Villa would be mindless not to keep him around for another, for another year because he's, he's not slowing down. If anything, 
just becoming more reliable and getting better. I mean, he deserves a new contract. He deserves another year at Villa. I don't know what they're going to do yet. Um, I'm sure we'll find out in the in the, in the weeks ahead. Um, but he definitely deserves one. And from the conversations we've had with Emery, he looks at Ash- he doesn't look at Ashley Young as a 37 year old old player. He looks at Ashley no. Young as a good right back because he likes having a bit of experience in his team. You look at some of his other teams. He has players in their 30s in the team. Emery's in previous experiences anyway. Emery's quite big on that. Yeah, he like, yeah, he's happy with it. You know, he he says that Young helps him out. Um, you know, various pointers, and he often asks him about certain things. Um, he's somebody who, who's very, you know, very well respected in, in the group, and Emery feels the same. So, yeah, he, he he doesn't look at his age; he looks at his quality. I mean, he played. I don't know whether you noticed it from where you sat, but I'm in, in the whole ten. So I'm watching Douglas Louise's free kick come straight at come straight at me. Ashley Young's the one lining up the. The, the Villa wall, the Villa wall, and the, that Villa wall did play a part in that goal because it kind of blocked for, Forster off, and that Forster couldn't get, couldn't see the ball quick enough to, to get across. But just while I was watching Ashley Young, and he was, he was di- dictating on the on the pitch what the what the yeah. what the Villa kind of player should do in in their wall, which I thought thought was really interesting. Again, that just shows the leadership role that that he's got at the at the club. Yeah, and it's it's reinforcing the the manager and the the coaches. Um, Directions, you know, Villa spend a lot more time now on set pieces. Uh, uh, Emery sees the benefit in it. Uh, Austin McPhee, the set piece coach, has got greater authority than than he did when under Stephen Gerrard. Um, if you look now on the in the dugout, the the, the two people that are directing mm. during the game are Unai Emery and Austin McPhee during set pieces. So, um, yeah, you, you know, his role is really important, and I, th- I think Villa. From from spending time at Bodymore Heath and interviewing the players, you know, I'll often go up there on a on a Thursday afternoon and um, you know interview some of the players after training. A lot of the time they're out having you know having extra free kick and and corner attacking corner sessions and and going through walkthroughs of various routines. Some of the players are asking for for a, um, extra individual uh, video clips so that they know their exact role in in you know in the free kick and corners uh, routine. So yeah, I, I just think Villa are looking at every single angle now and just going into much more detail. Whereas before, it was always like, can we can we find a moment of magic almost and and and, and go and beat the opposition team? Now there's not a single stone left unturned. You know, every single player is fully drilled and what he's got to do, and every situation is um, um, you know worked on at length. I mean. You know, we were upset to lose to Wolves, obviously, the week before, and it was a set-piece goal. It's always frustrating when you lose a game and the only the only goals come from a come from yeah. a set-piece. That, that is disappointing. You're saying how much they work on those things. So it will, will have been frustrating. But if you look at it from another point of view, that's the first time I remember us conceding off a set-piece since Nottingham Forest away in, in October. You know, we don't... We were pretty feeble from set-pieces, actually. Yeah. We, we looked in trouble yeah. every time. But I remember that Everton game and Bournemouth game, the first two games of the season. Yeah, Every oh, set-piece you know, set that came in. Yeah, and also what we've got to remember is when Tyrone Mings isn't in the team, um, Villa seem to struggle because they are quite a short side. So having Mings in the team, he's the best defender at, uh, at getting first contact on the ball. And it was just, you know, it was typical that the game he didn't play against Bournemouth, Villa conceded twice from set-pieces. Um, and yeah, you, you're right, Dan, to, to flag up the Wolves game. It was decided by a single set piece. But equally, the Fulham win um, was decided mm. by a set piece as well. At the no, other no, end. I'm not, I'm so not knocking anyone. I'm just, I think, 
No, no, we, no, we were no, looking no, at it and we were annoyed by it, but actually, yeah. when was the last time that happened? It was yeah, and, 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 and neither am I, you know, big, bigging up any any particular player or or, uh, or routine or or anything. I'm just saying, you know, set pieces are so important, um, and Emery recognises that. Um, and I think he quite likes the fact that he's got a set piece coach alongside him, who um, you know is an expertise in that field uh, and can share some good ideas with him. It's quite funny that the, I thought Louise's set piece delivery was probably the worst it's been for ages. The corners were just not happening. Whatever we were trying, it just didn't work on on Saturday. But then in the same game, he he scores the winner off a free kick, and on the face of it, it probably looks like Forster should should maybe get there. But the way Villa have worked that set piece and set up set up their own wall means that if Louise gets it over the wall and it's slightly away from centre, you've given yourself a massive chance of scoring. And, and that's what they did. It's a, let's, you need to, you, we need to decide who we think the, the player of the year is. I, I think it's down to two now, from what we've said. I think it's probably down to Mings and, and Louise. <laughs> who, would, who would Global Greg Evans give it to? I'm I'm gonna just surprise a few here, and I, I would still give it to Martinez. I, I know that sounds really? yeah. I, I just I feel that I feel that if you were to take any player out of that Villa team, you'd notice Martinez's absence more than anything. So based on that, and because of what I said previously, the fact that he saves are going unnoticed almost because he does them so regular. I'm going to give it to him still, but I, I, you know, I totally understand anybody who says Mings or Louise because I agree that both of them have had good seasons as well. Who do you think will win it then? Um, do you know what I think? Ollie Watkins might. Do you? I think Louise yeah. is a shoe in. Do you reckon? Mm, I think I'm tight between Louise and McGinn. I can't separate those two really. I think they've both both been brilliant. The, and I think the thing about those two is. I think when they played under the previous manager as well, they were good. So they've got the longevity of the whole season. If you if you look at what I actually think Watkins has been really good all season as well, but the goals weren't really there in the first in the first half of the, of the season. I think what Louise and Mings were doing in the first half of the season should should play a part. So I can't I can't separate those two, but I think Douglas Louise will win it. And he's when I put the the poll out earlier on um on the Villa View Twitter. Louise was comfortably ahead, so mm. that tells me that mm. that well, he will probably he's win it. Going to get the supporters player of the year, isn't it? Yes. <clears throat> and then that, the, how's the other one decided? He's players player, isn't it's, it? Yes, players player, which I just think might be Ollie. I just think Ollie might get it for his goals, but um, well, sir, I, I don't know anything. I don't, I, I don't know. You. I've spoken to enough players about who they think. Uh, so, Cl- clubman of the year will be Ashley Young. He's got that sewn up. Clubman. Yeah, I think still so. Do that. that was used to be the one that no one wanted, but I think that's a good award, <laughs> the, club, the Clubman of the Year. Clubman of the Year, yeah. Hey. It's almost like when you've played really shit for your team, but you get a you get a you get a nice little touch. There we go. Yeah, we're, just, we're really proud of your efforts, mate. No, but he's been like, for the for the. But, but I'm not talking about Ashley Young. No, no. You know, in Sunday League football, that's typically our Clubman of the Year. I definitely won that when I used to play rugby. The club, Clubman <laughs> of the Year definitely won that in, in in my youth. I think Louise will win it, but be interesting to see player players player actually. Do we have? A, do, I don't know if we have a manager's player of the season or not. I don't remember them doing one last year. No, it's just supporters player and players player, isn't it? I suspect Ramsey will get young player again. Do you, do you remember the? Uh, do you remember the years when the supporters decided they were uh, they didn't even want to vote? They were so bad. There was the one year too. <laughs> like that the world. It seems yeah. like two years in a row. Seems the like Ma- the way that doesn't it now. The McLeish one. I think everyone wanted to vote for 
for Robbie Keane. He's only there for six games. I think he was probably in the <laughs> top. He's probably in the top era. Was it the relegation year and then the first year in the championship? I'm sure that I'm sure two I years think in it a row. It might have been three years in a row. Yeah, it might have been three, but it was definitely definitely to. Um, but yeah, God, when you think back to those days, I mean, just remember being at Villa Park and 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 the when the team was. Oh, we've got to talk about the team announcement before anything. But um, I presume you heard it. The new one. <laughs> new one. So yeah, I wasn't this, sure about this, it. This will lead. This will lead onto it. But um, I was just going to say, I just remember in that relegation year when when Villa's uh, team was announced and all the senior players were booed, and then any academy graduate was cheered. And I, I interviewed Jordan Lydon um, a couple of years ago, and he, he played in one of the games. I can't remember the exact game. It might have been the Liverpool game. No, he came off the bench in the Liverpool game. I think it was Southampton. I don't know why. It was Southampton. We lost 4 2, and Lydon played. Lydon played. I that was it, yeah. And he said, uh, he said it was so uncomfortable for me, where, because he, he thinks that it was only him. I don't even think Grealish started because Remy Guard just weren't having Grealish. No. Um, and. Uh, he said it was, was so uncomfortable. that came in and played a few games. I completely forgot. Yes, Kevin Toner. Kevin Toner as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he said, yeah, it was like, you know, I'm, I'm there sort of trying to, to gain as much advice from the from the senior pros as I can. You know, apparently Mika Richards and Jolene Lex got really good with Lydon. Um, he were two, they were two players that he, you know, um, name-checked has been really helpful during that season. So, you know, for whatever fans think of them and, you know, Fair enough. If 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 they're not if they're not having them, that they certainly didn't perform very well for Villa. But um, you know, it's important to to point out that they did care about the club. They did care about the young players coming through, and they wanted help. Um, you know, as Lydon sort of highlighted. But yeah, mad times. So should we get onto the the team announcement yeah. at Villa Park? Just on, on that, I'd never knock Richards because I think he was unfortunate, and I think he did. You know, when he's trying to speak to the fans after the Wickham game, you know, I think he did front up and he tried, but Les got that. So it couldn't have gone any worse. Everything he did on the pitch, even like that into the white off the shoulders thing, like he just was an expert at doing and saying the wrong thing. He might have had good intentions, but he was just he was an expert at doing and saying the wrong things. And then he was given the captaincy, which was absolutely mindless because the fans really weren't having him. So why were you making him? Why were you making him captain? The players actually asked for the team not to be read out before when, when um, you know they do it twice, don't they? So they mm. do it at kick off. The players that requested that we stopped doing that, and I don't think we had a team announcement at, at kickoff, so they couldn't, so they couldn't be on the pitch get, getting booed. Just up, Bakuna was getting hammered because he'd said something about the Champions yeah, League. Lescott yeah, said the weight off the shoulders thing. Richards was getting booed. Guzan had done something. You know, just it was awful. awful, awful it? Mm. I mean, I'm glad you put that. I, I thought that new team announcement thing was very odd. Yes, I described it as different. And where's that come from? Help. Um, I, look, I don't know. I, I haven't asked the question. Um, I'll try and find out if there was any sp- sp- specific reason for it, if it was pushed by uh, a certain new someone attending the game over the weekends, or if it was just, you know, by I felt sorry for the announcer, because he obviously he's, he's got to do it. If he's been instructed <laughs> to do it, he has to do it. But it was... It just didn't. I don't think it came across well or right. No, not well. It wasn't bad. It just. I just don't think it was right. It just didn't, didn't work. Like Jacob, yeah, Jacob, sure. JJ Ramsey. I'm not sure what That's to say. I don't think it was. I don't think it was. It was a little bit cringe at times. You pulled it up, so it must have been. But, must have not been great. I just. It was just a surprise for me. I was just like, "What's all this about?" Because um, you know, every player, and yeah, I mean, look, I'm all for praising the players and building them up and trying to 
generating atmosphere and, and, and helping improve the atmosphere of Villa Park. I'm all for that. Um, just not sure. Just not sure about <laughs> you that. You know what I found funny about it? This is, it was like, um, so for McGinn, for example, it would be Super John McGinn, which is fine because that's what he's called. The announcer's probably been doing that all season anyway. Number seven, Super John McGinn. And who was the other, who was the other one? Um, there, was, there was someone out there. There's some who've got like, names or songs that we, that, we, that we sing about them. But it was like, if, there, if there's no song for the player or anything, it was just like, Villa's number four. It's, it's <laughs> just, to, just to say something. But what, one thing I will say is, if we're talking about that as being the biggest worry that we've got at the moment, then the football club is light years ahead of where yeah, it's been. Uh, as I said at the start of the show, you know, it's Villa, It's a special place to be at, at the moment, Villa Park. You know, it's it's... Every journalist who, who who I sit next to, you know, is is um, the opposition reporter from the Athletic, and Villa have won six games on the bounce, so it's gone very very well for Villa. But they all say, "Wow, you know, this place is really rocking again." I've been here so many times, and the atmosphere has been dead, and um, you know, it's 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 great again now, which is well, which yeah. is what you know Villa have been trying to get for so long, isn't it? Well, even. You know, in years gone by, Spurs were coming to Villa Park having lost six away games in a row. I'd be like, well, that's over then. They'll, mm. They're going to win this weekend, aren't they? Obviously. But Villa are just a completely different beast now. They're, I would describe as we're a proper team now, I would say. Yeah. Villa are a proper a proper club and a proper team. And that, that has not always been the case, especially in the, in the last decade. No, and, you know, that, that, has, that has been the plan for... For four or five years, you know, this this club has been built over three or four seasons now. Yes, Unai Emery has come in and added the sprinkling of magic that it needed, and his elite level of coaching has certainly helped the players flourish. But there are there are a lot of good work that's gone on at that club. You know, there are some really intelligent people working behind the scenes. Um, you know, the players that have that have been signed clearly are good players. Uh, you know, we we look back to some of the some of the previous months when things weren't going so well and. And you know we we were quick to blame blame poor recruitment, weren't we? I remember after the Stevenage game, it was because the players Villa have signed aren't good enough, or um, you know, and just Gerard, I think Gerard himself was was kind of saying we need better players at, at some point. Um, but you know, the players are good enough, and that's just shown. So you got that's to the give them, difference in the two managers. Give them the players. Got it. Um, you, you can't, as I said this before, Emery. Emery. He's a gene, you know, a genius almost. Mm. He's 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 working. Um, he's getting this underperforming group, but talented group performing really well. But he couldn't just do this with any group. He really couldn't. And it's important to to highlight that. Well, the the previous manager said, if the players won't do what I want them to do, we'll buy some different players. That was very much his mentality. Whereas you know the mentality of Unai Emery is, the right players aren't available in January. I'm going to work with what I've got and improve. Mm. The, the team make the team better and make those players better, and that, which is that, what he, which is what he's exactly what he's, he's, well. he's whatever happens now, whether we get Europe or not, he's achieved that. Yeah, if, yeah, yeah. Villa could have just picked up a couple more points at the start of the season. <laughs> God, I think of some. I think of some of those games that pass by, just nothing at Leeds at home against. Sorry, Leeds away against ten men, nil nil. Forest away, just nothing, guys. Nothing happened. They were boring. I was fed up of watching Villa. I yeah. love going to Villa Park and, and watching my team now. I absolutely love it. And that hasn't always been the case. So whatever happens, Unai Emery's done a done a tremendous job. Just before we go then, Greg, you got anything coming up that you can you can tell us about? Um there's a few things, yeah. There's there's actually the last the next few weeks are gonna be lots of stories on the athletics. So just 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 if you keep looking at up the daily updates really is gonna be a lot, yeah. Um 
I've got a very busy week trying to get everything done. You know, so it's great to it's great to be in this position to still have two games that where everything's riding on it. Um, mm. So yeah, I've got a lot of things that I'm working on. Uh, you'll, you'll see them over the next couple of weeks. Must be difficult as well because you know the athletics are a sideline, really, isn't it? Golf's your golf's your main role. So, yeah, you know, you're trying to you're trying to fit everything really in around your golf. Yeah, yeah, it's really really frustrating having a full time job at the moment with you know such <laughs> such long days and all those golfing opportunities passing me by. <laughs> You've got the summer coming, <laughs> although you'll probably be quite. I imagine you'll be actually. You know, that's the exciting thing as well. Out of all the athletic journalists, you'll probably be one of the most busiest in the summer. Yeah, I think I, I will. Probably be, better get to know George Mendes a bit better. <laughs> yeah, little, little little tease there from little tease there from Greg. I'll be getting on George Mendes' client list when I uh, when I when we've got off this podcast. I don't just I don't know what this made me laugh. I remember doing? You know, I used to do the podcast with Tom Julian. He was really. He did. We were talking about Mendes once, and he called him Jorge Mendes. I don't know where he where he got that from. And he was convinced he was called Jorge Mendes. I was like, it's not George, George Mendes. Stop trying to be so George, George, to... isn't it? George, it's not Jorge. I think we're gonna. We, we, we're well, gonna I, I don't know. Are we are we going with the? Uh, we, we better check this before we say. It. I mean, it's not Jorge Mendes. I've never, know. I've <laughs> never heard. The only person I've ever heard call him Jorge Mendes was Tom Julian. So there's no chance that, that, that that's right. Let's go anyway. Hey, Greg, been a bit of pleasure to podcast with you as always. Thanks for everyone that's listened. You know, we're we're getting good. We're getting good. We're getting a lot of nice feedback on on Twitter around this podcast, aren't we, Greg? That we that we mm. both really really mm. appreciate. Yeah, right? really we both enjoy doing it. it. Fair, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, look, you know, much prefer to be out on the golf course, but I uh, I, I really <laughs> genuinely enjoy doing it. And yeah, the, the feedback's been excellent. So thank you ever so much for for everybody who's listened. Um, uh, yeah, really appreciate it. Yeah, look, we're trying to look. There's so much. There's so many, many Villa podcasts. Everyone can have their favourites, and that's fine. And everyone can choose which which ones they want to listen to and which which ones they don't. But we, I do think this one is is different to a, to a lot of the stuff, a lot of the Villa pods, especially that are out there. So yeah, we really appreciate the kind feedback. And if there's anything anyone wants to see us incorporate into the podcast, let us know on social media or, or the YouTube comments. And thanks to all those that are listening over on Spotify as well, because I know we're getting strong numbers over there because this podcast is putting about a thousand places nowadays by by adam so yeah wherever you're listening basically we really really appreciate it we'll be back next week post and phil we'll try and do it early on in 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 the week again if greg hasn't got too much golf to play we'll try and get it out uh, early in the week so yeah yet again thanks for joining me greg have a good rest of the week everyone that's listening villa view will be back with various content pieces through the week like we always are and up the villa sports social podcast network with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.